Hey, once again, good morning. Happy Sunday to you guys. Of course, today we celebrate a day that churches across the world call Pentecost Sunday. Um, It's a day when God decided, he looked down upon us and he said, these guys need some help. And uh, I mean, how many of you guys would be really honest and you'd say, Jesus, I need help in this thing called life. All right, the rest of you guys, I need your help then. I mean, some of you are sitting there like, I got it, I'm good. Listen, God looked down and he said, these guys need some help. And he sent his Holy Spirit. What's, what's amazing, and I've processed this before, I don't know if you guys have ever asked yourself this question, would it have been better to walk side by side with Jesus, like in his day, or now? Well, according to Jesus, it's way better that we live in this day and age. Because he can only be with one of us at a time, and he's not with us all the time, but the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, he's your helper. He's there all the time. No matter where you go, no matter what time of day it is, no matter how many people are around you, he's there with you all the time. So this is one of those days that we celebrate that. And of course, a lot of you guys know I have, maybe you'd call it a, a Pentecostal background. So like I could get down with celebrating this day every Sunday and just saying, God, your Holy Spirit is something that I need more of in my life because I want more of you and I need some help in this. How many of you guys would say amen one more time? You need some help in this thing, right? All right, we want to become more like Christ, and that's what the Holy Spirit is there for. Today, we're going to start a brand new series uh, here at South Suburban called Reflection. And the, the purpose of this series, or the focus of this series, is on developing character in our lives. It's on developing character. So to begin this morning, <clears throat> I thought it'd be good for us to get on the same page in regards to this word character. Here's a few definitions that I compiled that paint a picture of what character is. Character is the composite of virtues and values in your life. Character is who we are when no one else is around and only God sees. Reputation is what others see you as, but character is what you truly are. It can be said that men of genius are admired, men of wealth are envied, Men of power are feared, but only men of character are trusted. Now, this actual word character comes from a Latin root that means engraved. It means to be engraved upon, and our lives have things that get engraved on them. It becomes part of our composition. It becomes part of our our makeup or our DNA. It becomes part of our identity, and just like a block of granite, Things can either be carved carefully with care or things can just get hacked at with really no disregard. And so what we allow to be engraved on us is what we become. And what we engrave on others also shapes them. And that brings us to a very important recognition this morning. And that is that character is not something you're born with. It's something you develop. You develop character in your life. And it's like a muscle that gets strengthened with use. The more you use it, the stronger it becomes. And so we have this responsibility, not just as a a church, but as Christ followers, we have this responsibility to cultivate character in ourselves and to teach it to our family, but we have to be intentional in it. And so this new series focuses on the virtues that carve our character. There are things in our life that will carve and etch and shape us. And so it was the Apostle Peter who said in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5, add to your faith virtue, 
Now, faith, of course, is, the, is like it's the ground level. It's the, it's the foundation. Your faith in Jesus Christ is what it's all about. I mean, that's the, that's the difference between salvation and not. That's the difference between a relationship with God and not. Your faith in Jesus Christ. But Peter went on to say that there's something else that is important. It's not faith. This would never compete. You're never going to be good enough for a relationship. And yet, I encourage you to add to your faith virtue. This word virtue is really interesting as well. It's a Greek word, arete, and it means excellence of character and moral strength. So there is something that God is looking for inside of us. He wants us to, to have faith in him, but he also wants to see character developed inside of us. How many of you guys would, would say the person sitting beside you is a character for sure? Right? You got it covered. That's different kind of character. You, you can't elbow each other. That's not fair. Today we're going to look at the first of these virtues, and that is the virtue of courage. Now, I believe courage is a chief virtue because courage is a catalyst that's necessary to follow through with all the other virtues. It takes courage to be disciplined. It takes courage to be honest at times. It requires courage to remain loyal. You could say that, that courage is the ladder on which all these other virtues mount. Nothing in life happens aside from courage. Courage is doing the things that need to be done. It's going to places that need to be gone, even in the face of fear and intimidation. In fact, courage is not the lack of fear. Courage is your willingness to face fear. Or to quote John Wayne, courage is being scared to death and saddling up anyway. Now there's two primary texts that I want to preach from today. And the first is found in 1 Samuel chapter 17. It's the story of David and Goliath, a story that's very familiar with a lot of people who grew up in Sunday school. There's probably no greater example of courage in all of literature than the story of David and Goliath. And as the story opens, we see this vast valley of Elah, and there are two opposing armies, the Israelites and the Philistines. And many of you have read stories of ancient Vikings, the Vikings who raided and plundered all the cities and villages that were around them. And that is exactly what the Philistines were like. And now the Philistines have come to challenge Israel in a battle. But it's not just any battle, it's, it's a representational battle. A representational battle is where the two sides would choose a representative. And those two people would come together and they would fight one-on-one. -on -one. And so those representatives, if the Philistine representative wins, then all of Philistine wins. If the Israelite representative wins, then the nation of Israel wins. It's called a representational battle. But Israel's worst fear has shown up now in the person of Goliath. Because scholars place him at over eight feet tall. An intimidating man, deadly, proven in battle, very skilled warrior, and Goliath challenges them to representational battle. He will represent the Philistines, and he dares anyone from Israel to come fight. In fact, Scripture says for 40 days he stood before the Israelites and he challenged them. And I want you to see there's three faces or factors of courage that are represented in this story of David and Goliath. And the first one, the first factor, is 
no confidence. This is a courage factor. No confidence. Scripture tells us that when the Israelites saw Goliath and they heard his words, they were terrified with fear. They had zero confidence in their ability to be able to fight this giant. And it's actually important to recognize that their fear had actually produced paralysis in their life. They were frozen. Psychologists have identified a condition known as learned helplessness. And it states that after enough pain and intimidation in your life, instead of acting and doing to eliminate the pain, you become paralyzed by it. And that's exactly where Israel is. They're paralyzed in fear Nobody wants to go to battle. So Israel's king tries to bribe his soldiers. The first bribe, he says, I will give you a huge amount of money if anyone will go fight this giant. And there are no takers. So then he ups the ante and he says, well, because I'm the king, how about this? I'll give it to you tax-free. It's a true story. Tax-free. Still no takers. And he's, he's desperate now, and he's like, I, what, what else can I add to this? And he says, how about my daughter's hand in marriage? I'm sure his daughter was real thrilled. But there are no takers. No one is going to take his offer. They're thinking, what good is all that money and your, your daughter's hand in marriage if I'm dead? What good is it? There's zero takers. And then David steps up. Now, his brothers actually start to mock him. When David steps up and he says, I'll fight that guy, his brothers start to mock him. And that's often what happens when you take a step out to be courageous. The people who are cowards may begin to taunt you. They may say things like, what are you thinking? They may say things like, why would you even consider doing that? See, King Saul even doubted David. But finally... He offers his armor to David. If you're going to go fight him, why don't you use my armor? But you know, if if anybody should have challenged Goliath to battle, it should have been Saul. Saul was the king of Israel. Scripture says he was head and shoulders above everybody else. He was bigger than everybody else. He was a proven warrior in battle. It should have been his fight. But Saul wouldn't do it. However, he wanted to offer David advice. Use my armor. Here's how you do it. Do it this way. Saul's trying to tell David how to do battle that he himself won't do. David tries on the armor, Scripture says, and he says, this isn't going to work. I haven't tested it, but I have tested the faithfulness of God. Now, as you look to the other side of the valley at the Philistine camp, you see the second factor of courage that's represented in Goliath, and that's self-confidence. Goliath had a lot of self-confidence. In fact, He was arrogant. Verse 43 says that when he saw the young shepherd boy, David, coming towards him, he yelled, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? Then he says, come to me, I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Goliath was a proven warrior in battle. David was a shepherd boy. Now listen, some of you may have a great resume and a great record. You may have accomplished a lot in life, but I've got to tell you that self-confidence 
is not the thing that true courage is made of. Confidence in yourself. There is a difference between um, being courageous and being cocky. <laughs> right? Cockiness can lead you to do some pretty stupid stuff. Can I get an amen on that? It's like kind of preaching. Cockiness can, can get you to do some stupid stuff. The story is told of a man who stood before St. Peter at the pearly gates of heaven, and, and St. Peter says, yeah, I, I'm looking at your, your file here, and you know there, there's nothing real bad here, but I don't see anything impressive at all. Have you ever done anything that was courageous or, or brave? And the guy thinks for a while, and he goes, well, actually, there was this one time when I... I saw this motorcycle gang who was picking on this woman, and I, I walked up to him, and I picked the biggest, burliest guy, and I walked up, and I poked my finger in his chest, and I said, listen, you mess with her, you're going to answer to me. St. Peter goes, wow, that is impressive. I, I don't see that anywhere in my record. When was that? And the guy goes, about three minutes ago. <laughs> hey, listen, there's a difference between being courageous and being stupid. And cockiness can lead you to do some stupid stuff. It really can. Self-confidence, believing that you have got it in you to do whatever you need to do, it can lead you to do some stupid stuff. But it's in this moment that we see the true courage of David that was based on the living God now rise up. And it leads to this third factor of courage, and that is God-confidence. David responds to this giant by saying this, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and all the earth will know that there is a God in Israel. Verse 48 says that David ran out to meet him. Now, I, I think this is such a, an inspiring, beautiful picture of the confidence that David has in the Lord. He is so confident in God that he run towards the battle with a giant. He runs towards Goliath. He takes a stone in his sling. He kills Goliath with one shot to the head. Nothing, um, nothing fancy. He doesn't try to be like others. He does what he does best, and he slays the giant. And we, we have to recognize that when we place our confidence and our trust in God, not in ourselves, but when we place it in the Lord, all things are possible, Scripture says. In fact, Romans tells us that we're more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. Not on our own, but in Christ Jesus, we're more than a conqueror. You know what more than a conqueror is? More than a conqueror is the picture of a, of a prize fighter who's in the ring and he fights the, the, the contender, the one who challenges him, and he defeats him, and he is a conqueror. And then when the, the, the prize comes, the, the big bag of money comes and is presented to that prize fighter, his wife gets up, gets in the ring, walks over to him, and grabs the money and walks off. She's more than a conqueror. She didn't have to fight, but she got all the benefits from it. Listen, in Christ... We're more than a conqueror. He's the one that does the battle for us. There's a confidence that we can have that comes from the Lord. David said in Psalm 46, 1, God is my strength. God is my refuge. See, this whole book of Psalms was not written by a man who never knew fear. It was actually written by a guy who knew deep fear. 
But he learned that in the face of fear, he could find true courage in his trust of God. So it's this God confidence that leads us to true courage. And now I want to I shift gears to a second passage. Can you guys two do, can you do two stories in one sermon? Can you handle that? Okay, we're going to do a second passage. It's another story of courage from the Old Testament in the Bible. It's the story of Joshua found in Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. And when you read Joshua 1, you have to read it in its emotional context because the great man of God, the great leader Moses, has died. And now Joshua has been commissioned to carry on with the baton. So God comes to Joshua personally to give him this this exposition on courage. It's one of the best leadership texts in all the scripture, and it identifies three keys of courage for us this morning. The first is that courage comes from calling. Now, this is not in your notes, but I would encourage you to write it down underneath there. There should be some space there. Courage comes from calling. There's no such thing as courage apart from mission. You're not just courageous to be courageous. You're courageous for something. Read with me in Joshua chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 here. This is the Lord speaking to Joshua, and he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land that I'm about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot. See, even though Moses had died, God's mission and his calling was still very much alive. And he gave Joshua the assignment now. There was a land that God was calling his people to, and he needed a leader, a courageous leader, to lead them there. And that's the very nature of courageous leadership, is that it is really a prophetic statement of where things ought to be. This is where God is calling us. This is where I should be in my life. This is what my life should look like. And God's calling courageous leaders to walk that, to model that. It's a prophetic statement of where things ought to be because courage is doing the tough work. It's facing the fears in order to get us where we need to be. Listen, there's things that God wants to do in your life, and you know it. You know it. You know that God's calling you to do something, to be something, to get rid of something, to start something. And what's it going to take? It's going to take courage. It's going to take you being courageous. Your confidence in the Lord. He's calling you somewhere. He's calling you to face those things so that you can get where he needs you to be. Ephesians 2.10 implies that we should step out in bold obedience to do the good works that God has prepared for us, that we should be walking in those things. And it takes courage for that to happen. So let me ask you, what are the things God has prepared for you to do? You know your life. You know where you're at. What are the things that God wants to see happen in your life? What's your mission? What's your calling? Because your courage will rise up when you have confidence in your call. A clear assignment from God that he has called you to do this. See, people often lack courage because they lack clarity on God's call. It leads to a lack of courage. I'm not not sure 
if this is what God's called me to. I don't, I don't have the courage to step into it. But when God gives you a clear calling, there's courage that rises up. The second thing that you'll notice in this passage is that courage rests on God's presence. Now, this is, this is a, a comforting point for us. God never calls us to do anything apart from him. He is with us in what he calls us to do. Or you could say it this way. You could say God's assignments come with God's presence. In verse 5, the Lord says to Joshua, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Oh, man, isn't that good? No man will be able to stand before you. Does that give you some self-confidence? Huh? As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will be with you. See, it's not self-confidence. Where does that confidence come from? It's because God says, my presence will be with you. I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. And then one of the most well-known passages from this story, look at it with me, it's verse 9. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. If God has called you to do something, you have the assurance that he is with you. His presence is then. Again, courage doesn't mean you're not afraid, but it does mean that you trust God more than you fear your environment. It means that your confidence is in the Lord. And the final piece that I want to draw from this text is that courage needs encouragement. Courage needs encouragement. Three times in four verses. Let me say that again. Three times in four verses, God repeats the statement, be strong and courageous. Moses also told Joshua, be strong and courageous. That's five times. And the Israelites told Joshua, be strong and courageous. How many of you guys, it takes repetition for something to soak in? All right, listen, it's okay. Oftentimes, we need to be reminded, and that's okay. It actually helps to deepen our resolve and our determination. That's actually what the, the term encourage means. It's to cheer someone on towards courage. When you encourage somebody, you're cheering them on towards courage, reminding them of God's calling in their life, reminding them of God's presence with them. You are cheering them on towards courage. We need encouragement to be courageous. Three times in four verses, God told Joshua, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. I am with you. I've called you to this. Be strong and courageous. I'm with you. I'm going to go with you. I've called you to this. Be strong and courageous, for I will always be with you. Repetition is okay. We need encouragement at times to be courageous. So let me ask you this. What does this courage look like in your life? What does it look like in your life? Do you lack confidence? Or maybe you rely on self-confidence. Or do you trust that the Lord who is calling you will also be your strength? And your shelter, and he will see it through. God will see it through. Listen to what 1 Thessalonians 5 says. He who calls you 
God who calls you is faithful and he will surely do it. See, that's where your confidence is. It's God confidence. He's called me, he is faithful, he is with me, and he is the one that's going to see this through. So are you courageous to do the things that God's calling you to do? For you, that may be the courage to break bad habits and addictions that keep you from living a life of freedom and holiness. Let me tell you, I know that God is calling you to freedom and holiness. How do I know that? His word says so. It's a calling you have on your life. Are you courageous to do the things that are necessary to live a free and holy life? Maybe it's making that phone call to say, I'm sorry, and restoring a relationship. Maybe that's your giant that you're facing. It's tough saying those words. It takes courage. But if God's calling you to reconciliation, and he is, how do I know that? His scripture tells us. He's now given us this ministry of reconciliation. God's calling you to that. What's courage look like in your life to see relationships reconciled? It might be saying no to the things and to the people who are pressuring you to do something that you know, that you know is wrong. It takes courage. None of these things happen without courage. But God said, one more time, be strong and courageous for I am with you. The Lord sent his spirit to be our helper. And we just talked about that as we opened up today, Pentecost Sunday. God looked at us and he said, they need help. They need courage. I'm going to send my spirit to give them boldness, to give them courage. And that's what we celebrate today with Pentecost. But let me tell you, it's not a one-day celebration. Pentecost is a real thing. God sent his spirit so that you could be courageous. So I'm here to encourage you today. I'm going I'm to cheer you on towards courage. God has called you to a life of freedom, a life of holiness, a life of purpose, to reconciliation. God has called you to these things, and he is with you. Be strong and courageous and run towards that battle. Run towards it. You know, Jesus was not seen by many as being particularly courageous. He fought no battles. He led no army. He led no troops. And yet in his death, we see courage of the highest order. Scripture tells us that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, his friends were asleep in the grass. His enemies were, were within earshot across the valley. And Jesus fell to his knees in a lonely garden. And some people might say, well, Jesus felt no fear. Well, here's what Scripture says, that he sweat like drops of blood, and he cried out to the Father, and he said, God, I don't want to do this. But what followed in that next moment was the most courageous prayer that Jesus ever uttered. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So these 
enemies came. These troops came with their torches, with their swords. Jesus stood up, Scripture says, and he said, Here I am. Take me. And let these guys go free. I want you to see this picture here. Because this courageous step was not just a physical, let these guys go free. This was Jesus standing up to the enemy of our soul. And saying, here I am. Take me. And let these guys go free. That's what we celebrate when we receive communion. When we come to this place in our service every week where we recognize that Jesus faced fear, he faced abandonment, he faced death, he faced it with courage for our sake, for us. And this morning, if you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus becoming the Lord and the Savior of your life, I just want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. It's a short prayer. It doesn't take long. But it's incredibly significant. I've done a lot of significant things in my life. I married my wife 20 years ago. We celebrate our 20th anniversary. Greatest decision I made in this world pales in comparison to the decision that I made to say yes to Jesus Christ. I said yes to my wife, but when I said yes to my Creator, and to my Messiah, greatest decision ever. Maybe you're here today and you've never, you've never said yes. You've never said, all right, God, let's do this. I, I need you more than I've ever realized. <clears throat> I need you in my life. I need courage. I need more than that, though. I need, <clears throat> I need your salvation. If you're here today and you've never prayed that, or maybe, maybe honestly, you just find yourself today in a, in a place you're sitting in the chair and you're saying, man, a lot of life has happened since I prayed that prayer and I, I need to come back to that place. I need to get back. I need to get centered again. I need to get focused to where Jesus is actually the one who's the Lord of my life instead of me. He's the one who's leading me and guiding me. And if that's you today, I just want to give you a, an opportunity today to get in right relationship with him, to see that to see that come together the way that God intended it. So I'm going to ask every head to be bowed, eyes closed today, because this is really a holy moment between you and God. It doesn't have to do with anybody around you. This is between you and the Lord. If you're here today and you're ready to say yes to this courageous Messiah, I invite you to pray this prayer with me. You can say, Lord, I, I thank you for your great love for me, the love that caused you to face fear and death so that I could have life. And today, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sin, to become the Lord of my life. I ask, Lord, that you would give me the courage that I need to follow you from this day forward. Amen. Now listen, if you prayed that prayer today, um, well done. Well done. Best decision ever. As a church, we believe a couple of things, and one of them is that God puts a church together to be a family. 
and that that family is all about loving and supporting one another in this journey that we're on. And so part of what we want to be able to do in in that is that um, we want to be able to celebrate with you. We want to be able to pray with you. Um, And so if you prayed that prayer today, I want to invite you to do something. Take your connection card. On the back side of it is a box that says yes. Check the box. Um, You can drop it in the foyer. There's There's a box on the Welcome Center. But there's a better... There's a better thing I'd like to ask you to, uh, and it'll take a little bit of courage, and that is, in a few minutes, we're going to have some prayer teams up on the sides of the platform here. We're going to be here because we want to pray for you. We believe a couple of things, again, as a church. One of them is that the God that we serve is bigger than any situation that you're facing. Now, can I get an amen on that? That should preach every single week, right? The God that we serve is bigger than our situations, and so we want to go to our God about our situations and so we want to invite you just to be a part of that and come forward and to receive some prayer but if you check that card i want to i want to invite you to do something courageous take the card and hand it to one of these guys up here so we can start that process praying for you encouraging you cheering you on to courage and so that's going to be in just a few moments in fact let's take a moment here and congratulate those who made that commitment today We're going to wrap up our service. Uh, We're going to move into a time of communion today. And again, this is a time when we recognize, we, we remember the courage and the sacrifice of our Savior. What he did for us. We celebrate it. We remember it. But we recognize that because of his courage and sacrifice, we get life. We are more than conquerors. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, your love for us. Thank you for the confidence that we can have in you and for the courage that comes from your Holy Spirit. And Lord, we ask today that you would, you would etch this virtue of courage in our lives, that we could reflect your life. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, the courageous Son of God. And all God's people said,